My name is Mona Lisa. I'm a problem solver, a motivator, and most importantly, a mother. When my daughter was just 18, she was sentenced to 10 years in prison. It nearly destroyed our entire family, but we persevered. And now I'm on a mission to help other families going through this nightmare by bringing them out of the darkness and into the light. This is Prisoner of Hope. I'm Mona Lisa and welcome to Prisoner of Hope. We highlight many families who've been impacted by the prison system. And this story is no stranger to what a lot of men were going through in the early 90s and what they have continued to encounter in society today. And this story acts as an example for what many men had gone through in the early 90s and what continues to affect them today. In the 90s, the fast life was the easy life. Meaning that some men chose to get that money any way they could, even if it meant delving into the drug game. And some chose to get the money through good old fashioned hard work. Darren Adams stood by his best friend through a 20 year sentence. He felt the pain of losing someone he would describe as his blood brother. He felt completely helpless and unable to provide any assistance to his incarcerated friend. Two young men in their 20s, each leading similar lives until one chose to take the path of crime, separating that bond of true friendship for years. This happens far too often to men and leaves broken relationships with the pressure to continue support while inside, constantly weighing on the friendship, as well as being ready to accept and understand who their friend has become after release. Well. We'll be speaking to Darren Adams about one of his greatest challenges with his friend Darnell and how he works to bridge his gap in order to maintain their friendship and navigate new religious differences. People do change and mature after 20 years. Let's look at their story. Darren Adams and Darnell Worthy are two childhood best friends. However, life took them each down different paths and Darnell ended up getting a life sentence for selling marijuana. After serving over 20 years, he was pardoned by President Obama and released early. Darren was instrumental in helping Darnell and stood by his side the entire time he was inside through visits, phone calls, and financial assistance. Now that Darnell is free, the new dynamic between him and Darren has been difficult to navigate. Darren, first of all, I want to say congratulations, kudos, and give you mad credit for being by someone as long as you stood by your best friend from the time you guys were kids till now, over 25, 30 years. I don't know how many years it's been, but I know it's been over 20. To stand by somebody like that, you deserve a crown for that. And I just want to say thank you for that. Welcome. Welcome, Darren. Well, thank you, Mona. Thank you. Uh, I, I don't need congratulations. Um, true friends are hard to come by. They are. They are hard to come by. So the thing that I know about you and the thing that I have recognized um, in talking to you is that you've had some challenges uh, with this entire situation from the time it started back when you were young to now that he's out. Um, you have uh, in the beginning, you kind of realized that you two were going in two completely different directions. You were working hard. You were trying to make an honest living while your friend was on the other hand, taking and going in a different direction. And because he was going in that different direction, that kind of, you know, from what I can tell, it didn't make you very happy. 
um, and not making you very happy. It also made you, you know, kind of want to pull back and uh, support from a distance, if you will. I know that you had mentioned that, you know, uh, he asked you for um, some money back in the day. And quite frankly, you didn't have it and you just couldn't help. And so that really bothered you. And then you're also talking to me a little bit about what's going on now that he's out almost feeling like um, you guys may or may not have as much in common as you used to, in particularly in the area of your religions. So Darren, I want to ask you the question, you know, how did it feel first and foremost to lose your best friend to the system when you guys were both going almost in the same direction as kids? Well, when you lose somebody that you start to build a relationship as you're becoming young men, the separation is great because you have family, but you also have friends. And me and Darnell and our other friend, Eric, we spent a lot of time together to the point where we would spend the whole weekend and not even see our other parents. We spent that much time. So when I lost him, it, a big part of me went away. Um, and you start to realize that true friends, as I was saying before, are hard to come by. Somebody that you can confide in no matter what, that you see life's parallels with your lives together. You develop plans and when they're taken away, it's a setback. It is, it is a setback. How did that make you feel at the end of the day when you know for a fact there's nothing you can do? How do you describe that feeling? A setback is an actual, you know, a, a place in time. How would, what was the feeling like? Was it anger? Was it uh, nervousness? Was it sadness? What, how did you feel? It was emptiness. Because there's something taken away from you. Mm -hmm. when you. When you are so close to somebody, you know that, hey, if I need somebody to talk to, I need somebody to understand what I'm going through. That's your friend. Mm -hmm. And when that's not there anymore, you feel empty. Empty. You Go also ahead. don't have a self or reassurance because you're not in control. Mm. There's nothing you can do. And when you were feeling the way that you felt, did it, did it, did you turn to anything for comfort? How did you arrive at overcoming that emptiness? Or did you ever? I put it in perspective of what his dad said to us, what my grandfather said to me. Sometimes you just got to take responsibility and own up to what it is. And when his dad had said about one friend that told on him, he said, don't blame him. You knew what you was doing. That's the mark of a man who's mm -hmm. going to understand there's consequences to what you do. Did he make a mistake? Yes. Did he deserve a life sentence? No. So for me, I just put it in perspective. And if this is going to be my yearly trip to go see him, so be it. I'm not going to mm -hmm. leave him out there alone. So did you stay in contact with him the entire time he was in? And if so, how did you do that? Anytime he called me, I accepted the phone call. I never wrote a letter. But anytime he say, hey, I need it, and he comes from a large family. If he said I needed something, 
I was going to make sure I got it to him. That's awesome. That's awesome. So, so when you, do you feel like you struggled then at all, um, knowing that he had been given a life sentence, his charge, I believe it was trafficking of marijuana. Um, did that upset you? And if it did upset you, didn't you come to a, a conclusion that you wanted to help him with, uh, trying to get out earlier? And wasn't that a struggle for you? Well, after my coming to grips with that, this was going to be reality that he was going to be there. I found out I didn't know enough. So he actually, and the people that were inside the Institute helped him realize what his sentence was and put things in motion to get him to where he was released today. He did a lot of work and they call him jailhouse lawyers or attorneys, but when the law's on your side or society seems to be against you, you have no other resources but to be your own advocate. And he was that. Darren, so what is it that uh, is happening between you and your friend Darnell right now as it relates to your newest challenge since he's been out? Tell me about that. Well, when he left here, he was a Christian also. Now that he's home, he's a Muslim. Um, and... I didn't ever want to offend him. Okay. So it's hard right, to so, ask questions that you want to ask. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And do you do you feel like um, do you feel like that that's a barrier between you guys, or do you feel like um, his religion should really have nothing to do with your friendship? Oh, at first it was a barrier. What? Why is it a barrier to you? Because the Christian faith and the Muslim faith is different. I believe Jesus Christ died on the sin for our souls. They believe Jesus Christ is a prophet. And so, and so let me ask you, let me ask you, does that feel like that is, uh, or is a prerequisite for you in order to have him as a friend? Or does that feel like um, you might be possibly judging him and not allowing him to just make his free choices? At first I felt like I was judging him. Now I have a better understanding. Okay, that's good. That's good. So that's not, a, you're not saying though, it's a prere prerequisite for him to be your friend, that he must be a Christian, correct? No. Okay. Okay. I, I kind of wonder, I kind of wonder, you know, if that might still be wondering and floating in your head. And so this may be a little bit bigger than me right now. I see that there might be something we might need to talk to an expert on. Um, I want to just explore control with you. Would you be open to exploring that with me with an expert, a psychiatrist? Certainly. Sure. Okay. Excellent. Excellent. So when we come back, um, we're going to be talking with Laura. She's a psychiatrist, Laura Booker, and um, she's going to help us to look, get, get a better understanding of kind of how we as uh, humans can communicate with each other when we have differences and how we can look at it from a psychological perspective. We'll be right back.
We should not have to worry about our loved ones being in fear for their lives. They should be able to go, do their time, and come home. when our loved ones come back from prison, they're very different. They're so different to the point where it's very, at times, uh, uneasy, difficult to communicate with them, even hard to understand them. But at the, at the end of the day, it's important that we begin to figure out how to communicate with them. Now, we've been talking to Darren and Darren, I appreciate you for coming on. But I've noticed that there was a very strong issue that you have here with your best friend who came back from prison. And that is that you know, he has a different religion from you. You're a Christian. He's a Muslim. And you're having a, a difficult time trying to figure out if that is a barrier, a deal breaker. Is it stopping you guys from being friends or are you judging him? What that seems like to me is just a tad bit of control. But who am I to say? I'm not the expert. I brought Laura on for you because she is a psychiatrist and she can help you to kind of better understand, you know, how to do this from a clinical perspective and from a more psychological perspective. Laura, thanks for coming on. Thank you for having me. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. You're welcome. So I want to ask you the simple question, you know, what does it take uh, for Darren to, um, uh, communicate better with his friend. And what are you hearing and seeing, you know, in his response when I asked him the question about, is this a deal breaker? Is this a barrier? Well, one of the things that's vitally important uh, with relationships, period, is that we deal with a relationship appropriately according to the time frame that we're working with. Um, I definitely noticed that this is a 20-year-plus relationship. So oftentimes, we can relate with each other from a past perspective. So I grew up with you. I know you. I understand you. Um, we've remained friends for quite some time now, and yet now we're on another pendulum. So when you're involving in a relationship, especially one like this that had multiple turns, we had a jail sentence. So have we ever dealt with our point of perspective that we were disappointed? So as a friend uh, of yours, Darren, I mean, there had to be some level of grief and disappointment over the choice that your friend made that landed him in the position of, of jail time, then subsequently the result of that choice, which was a very astringent long sentencing. There is a process of grief. There's a process of transition that we have to flow in in order to get us past that part first and then on to the point where, where we are now. So I think with longstanding relationships, it's very important that we deal with each other from the segment of our life we're in right now. So when you think about the fact that, okay, we've evolved from childhood to adulthood, to jail term, to now difference in opinions or different in relation to our respect around our religious practices, how do I deal with that? So when you think about control, a lot of times for a person like you that had to endure this with your friend, you had to endure with them. So in that case, 
there was a cause where you actually would probably defend or probably protect or or probably feel that space where, you know, I've got to be here, I got to be consistent and things of that nature. So now you come out, he comes out and yes, from a certain perspective, I'm still now managing the friendship as opposed to experiencing it. Do you understand what I mean? You could be managing Almost it, definitely. but yes. not experiencing it. So the perspective no, it, of the growth, yeah, when you think about controlling and when you think about, you, you know, you couldn't control the sentencing, you couldn't control the decision. You couldn't control, you know, the length of time he was away. You couldn't control uh, what choices he was making in there and now subsequently what choices he's making out. Um, so for you, the hardest part is sometimes just and manage the relationship where it is right now and just experience it. Like, who is he now? Um, yeah, he's a Muslim, but who else is he? Is he, you know, is he hardened? Is, is he, has his perspective changed? Does he have joy? Do you guys have any connectivity? That's the part to help you get past the mechanisms because the whole situation puts you in a, a sense of helplessness and helplessness often leads us to positions of control. That's a fact. That's a fact. Darren, I want to jump in just real quick here because I, I want to make sure that you hear some of the rest of my thoughts that I had. Um, you know, judgment for a lot of us is quite a hard thing to come to stop. I mean, we as humans are, are just set up that way at the end of the day. We want to look at people around us. We want to say, are you like us? Are you different from us? Do you look like us? Do you act like us? You know, that's a natural human occurrence that happens for a lot of us. But when it comes down to friendship, when it comes down to friendship, at the end of the day, you have to make it up in your mind. Is your love for him and the heart that you have for him, is that more important than his religion? Because I understand Christianity. I am a Christian. I understand that people, but we believe that without Christianity, that, you know, there's no possible way that maybe you may live past your death and that you may not see your Lord and Savior. However, what we do know is that you are given free will and free choice to make those decisions for yourself. Now he maturated. He is a 40, 50 year old man. So you're not dealing with that 17 year old man anymore. You are dealing with a man who has practiced and made his own decisions. And so as, as, as my thoughts would lead, I would say you must learn to respect him. And that would probably be the most healing thing you could do for you and for him and could probably X out that whole entire issue that you have. It's just simply respecting his choices. Do you think you're able to do that, Darren? And how does that feel to you? Well, what what from hearing both of you and Laura, you've given me confirmation of what I was thinking. Love is unconditional. True friendship is unconditional. If it was a judgment, it's on my part, not on his. If it was not knowing what to do, it was on my part, not his. Because I can't be ruled by religion. I have to have faith and my faith is what should rule me. And he tells me to right. love and accept. So you just gave me confirmation of what I needed to hear. That's awesome. And Laura, you know, moving forward, um, uh, how would you suggest that, you know, he take the next step 
to actually have that conversation with Darnell because I can feel that there's some tension there. What, what would you give him as far as, say, in a minute or less, some steps to move into having that conversation? Well, one thing first is uh, that acknowledgement was critical, um, that you came to your own acknowledgement of what you needed to do. So now, forgiveness for yourself first, uh, for the mindset concepts that were not or maybe barriers to how you guys communicated. Then subsequently having that conversation saying and identifying your conflict resolution styles. So is he a avoider? Are you an avoider? Are you guys a communicator? You know, are you guys gonna go straight at it? I wanna I wanna work this out. Identifying where he is because a lot of times we come to full resolution and the other person is totally uh, lost at the part that there was even a problem. So going into it, like, you know what? I want to see, uh, Darnell, how our future, how our friendship can evolve from here, 2020, for the rest of our lives. Man, what do you need from me as a friend? Let me tell you what I need from you as a friend, and then let's go forward from here. I think that's the wholest and the most healthy way to take this friendship into the next generation of living for the rest of you guys' lives. There you go, Darren. You ready for all that? You ready to make the commitment to uh, take those steps to move forward? For my friends, every day. I want to say thank you to you, Darren, because um, it is a known fact that more black men are being incarcerated in the United States than in any country. And for you to have stayed free and yet still support your friend who went in, you deserve a great amount of credit. And for that, we say thank you. Um, I will go into a little bit more about um, the pardon at some other time. And um, we know for a fact that you know uh, god is on the throne i mean at the end of the day okay and that all of us are in this together so i want to thank you two for coming and until we talk again i want you to remember to enjoy your lives all right thank you you do the same thank you prisoner of hope is not just a show it is a movement to restore empathy and to rebuild the family unit. Catch episodes early on the PrisonerofHopeTV.com website and YouTube channel. Subscribe to our blog. Learn more about Mona Lisa and Access the Vault, a video resource library designed to help you in knowing your rights, tips on post-incarceration life skills, starting your journey to self-discovery, understanding family and parenting relationships, and more. Looking for resources in your neighborhood? Use the vault to type in your zip code and find therapists, reentry programs, food assistance, and more. Prisoner of Hope needs you to get involved, and there are three ways. Learn how you can volunteer, donate, or even become a sponsor of the show. Interested in booking Mona Lisa to speak at your event or on your panel? Learn how under the contact section on the website. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter to find out about upcoming Prisoner of Hope tours and other special events. Hope isn't canceled. We are in this together. I want you to know how important it is to communicate. Communication is all that we have, especially if it's honest and transparent. It's so important when it comes down to friendships that we take time to learn to know each other, to be honest with each other and to be transparent. I want you to know that this man did 20 years in prison, but yet he was pardoned by President Obama. So his best friend took the time to stand with him, to fight with him and to try to understand him and walk with him through this whole entire process. And yet as he comes out on the other side, they're still together. 
they're still together. That's what I call love. That's what I call unconditional love. And for those of us that are out there who want to know how to move forward, just be honest. Be honest with yourself. Forgive yourself and be transparent. And go and talk to that person and find out what they need from you and what you need from them. And when you do that, that's when you're going to find that you're going to be the happiest person and that your relationship is going to be progressive. It's going to be prosperous. And you're going to then be that person that I like to see you be a prisoner of hope. Stay that way until we talk again. Always, 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 always try to enjoy your life. Be sure to check out Darnell's story firsthand, including the details of his executive grant of clemency from Obama, exclusively on the Prisoner of Hope website.